August 3, 2020. It's a lot for Pedro show. <laughs> Thank you. 
Walk for Pedro Show. Happy Monday, first Monday of August. Brother Matt with the Love Grotto. You can hear noise on the. You can tell I'm not in man alone mode because uh, my guest is making noise via Skype. Dylan Dickerson. Thanks for being back on the show. I should tell the people what they just heard. Unknown tune, but it's a John Coltrane quintet. I think 1963. So Eric Dolphy's in this version. And then we had, uh, in, but that's a really rare live uh, recording. Then we got a live recording of uh, No Protector, that Dylan Dickerson, when he was in uh, one-man band mode, right? Yeah, yeah. With the kick drum and guitar. And, uh, I mean, we talked about that last time. What I want to talk about this time is the new album, Perched. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on to talk about it. Yeah, so... When did you record it? Well, man, we started, we recorded that song Overpass that you ended up doing your spiel on. We recorded that in the first session, which was, I want to say, like, maybe uh, somewhere in the spring of 2018. Um, and then I flew out and shot that music video in Echo Park uh, for the song and came back. And we kind of had some personnel changes in the band and, and brought in a, new, uh, a guy named Alex McCullum who plays guitar and sings in the band now. So we spent a good bit of time uh, working out the songs with him and finishing writing the record after that and then got back into the studio again sometime after that. Uh, so really over the course of a couple of years, we recorded it, but there was it, we really only spent probably four or five days in the studio. There were just kind of big spaces and time for for writing and figuring out what the hell was going on with the band, you know? Yeah, right. I mean, he didn't, it kind of changed. When you get a new guy, it changes things, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. We wanted to teach him sort of the back catalog, and we had some shows coming up, so there was a lot of time put into just figuring out the live incarnation of it all. And then, you know, we had those couple songs that we recorded at that first session, and we had sort of the beginnings of a lot of new songs, um, but a lot of them were half-finished, so it's kind of a good time to bring in a new person because it, it got us excited about the songs and it, it uh, you know, made it real easy to take the songs to a new place because we had a we had a new player in the mix, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you taught him the old stuff, but then he's kind of on board with the... Yeah, yeah, the there was only two songs that started without him on the record, and he ended up playing on those... Uh, so he he overdubbed for those two, but the rest of them, we pretty much all, I mean, I, pretty much everything on there is recorded all together in the live room with maybe some minimal vocal and piano overdubs and stuff. But that's the funny thing, man. It took us, you know, so long to get all the songs where we wanted them and get to the studio, but we still spent only four or five days actually recording a ton of time in between sessions, but the well, sessions themselves were quick and efficient. Yeah. You were getting the shit together so you could just go, you know, some guys, they, they, they write the songs in the studio. That's very expensive practice. That's, that's exactly what I was about to say. I would, if I could afford it, but it, I don't want to yeah, be on the clock. I don't know if it's so, so good. Cause you also got to play uh, them in front of people, right? Yeah. We got to workshop a lot of them live, which was cool. That cause... makes a big difference. I, I, I've done records where not one song has been played in front of people. And oh yeah. Sure enough. You know, you start touring it and stuff, and boy, does it sound better. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of songs that we recorded, you know, maybe we had already played them live some, like earlier Blanca songs, where, yeah. 
you know, we, we, we've gigged a little bit before we played with them, but, you know, after we gigged for a couple of years playing that song, we wrote a new bridge section that I'm like, shit, if wish we had written that before we recorded it, you know? And, like, there's little moments that only happen when you've played the song long enough to where you want to mix it up, and then you're like, damn, I wish I had mixed it up whenever we were putting it on tape, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, did I tell you that Tom Watson had a project called Overpass? Oh, yeah, that you called Underpants? Yeah, we called it Underpants. That's amazing, man. Holtzman on drums, and I think Steve Lynn on bass is a, no Scott Ziegler, at first. Then, and uh, this one, Tom Watson. I think there's a uh, there's a CD out, and this. Oh one, really? Yeah, and all the songs are from him mostly, and uh, this one he was in songwriting mode. And uh, is he doing trailer. all right? All things considered, I saw you play with him uh, when he was touring with you guys in Asheville last year, and he like. I was blown away, man. I'd seen him play with you probably 10 years before then, but, man, he's still just absolutely phenomenal on guitar. You know, 20 years. Wow, man. That's impressive. First first tour I did with him was in 1999, so actually 21 years. Damn. And, uh, yeah, that was with the big man on drums. It was Missing Man, but no Raul. Yeah, I think the first time I saw you play with him was with Raul on drums, and you guys were opening for Dinosaur Jr. at the Music Farm in Charleston. No, what happened was, uh, yeah, you sure it wasn't Vince? It might have been. It was, man, I, that was, that was Apparently, a while. It might have been, it might have been, but it might have been Vince Maroney, too. That's 99 and 2000, because Raul, I start playing with in 2002. Oh, well, it would have been post-2002. It would have been like, God, that show would have probably been like 2008, maybe 2009. Was, uh, yeah, I did like three or four gigs. Tallahassee, opened it for Jay. There's a video that he made during those gigs with the skateboards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was right when they were touring on that kind of comeback album. The, uh, what's it, Beyond? Where, I think Lou, is what it's yeah, called. Yeah, Lou was back. Man, that is a was, fucking was, phenomenal record. Again. Like, I love that one. It was Dinosaur again. And uh, I, I remember they were making the video at Soundcheck. Oh, really? And Yeah, and Jay was doing some ollies. I'm watching. They filmed me watching him, I think. I'm in the Man, I need to, I remember that music video. I need to go back and, and revisit it. It's been a while. Fuck, I can't remember the song. <laughs> but it's I'm definitely not... one off of that album, but I can't think of which one it is either. Yeah, yeah I want to play here a, another live thing with you by yourself, comrade. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, 
That was uh, Deuce, but not the Kiss song, <laughs> and not even a cover of it. It's just you can't copyright a, a title. Did you know that? No, yeah. I, I didn't know that. I mean, I, I knew that you could. Uh, I guess I thought maybe it was like lyrics you can't copyright. I've heard that too. Maybe no, no, yeah, you can, you can copyright lyrics. Really? I guess I thought like maybe uh, you know. There's just so many word combinations out there. It's hard to say you put them together first unless it's like incredibly memorable. But you're probably right. Should be able to copyright it. Well, think of a Bob Dylan song, or, you know, blowing in the wind or something. That's where my mind went. I was like, yeah, I, I guess think, if, if you. I think but, he yeah. actually stole that melody, though. Yeah, see, that I guess it's the music side is tricky because sometimes like there's like a fine line of what you can borrow. And then what becomes like copyright infringement? Well, George Harrison got sued. Right for uh, "My Sweet Lord." He's so fine. Or my yeah. Guy, or my my guy Bill. Or yeah, I mean they're they're very close. But there's also this part of me that's like, you know, you take it back to like folk songs and the nature of like public domain. Like to a certain extent, to me, when things there's a there's a certain level of lifting that I can hear from somebody like who's obviously heavily inspired by something where I can take it as more of a nod of respect than a, than thievery. But it, you know, it's a fine line for sure. Led Zeppelin had to pay Willie Dixon. And... Yeah. They've been in hot water a bunch. There's that spirit band, I think is what they're called. Who tried to say that they spirit, their big song was, I got a line on you. I, I, yeah. I played a gig with Randy California. You know, he passed away oh. sa saving his son. His son got caught in a riptide. And he Damn, that's horrible. ended up drowning, but he did save his boy. I'm glad he was able to save him, but man, that's tragic. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, not too long ago, a couple of years ago, Led Zeppelin was in court with those guys. Because they toured together and all the song came out. And they are definitely super close in sound. <laughs> like, I could, I could see how they have a case, but... I think it's going to come up again. I think yeah, time. I think it keeps coming up every few years. They're persistent. They want to get that get you know what they think of as theirs. There was a big 
age difference between Randy California. I think it, that might have been his stepfather on the drums. Ed Cassidy or something? I can't remember. Anyway, after uh, Swenson claim, we had uh, Bajan Boyd, which is uh, Brother AJ from Holland there with Pinecone. He had come up with a 10-minute tune, and he did. <laughs> and I get to play. Uh, finally, Dear Blanca, out to pasture. How'd you come up with that tune? Man, you know, uh, so that song is is just me and uh, my significant other, Dane. She, If you listen to, you know, the back catalog of Dear Blanca songs, you'll hear her voice pop up a lot. She's uh, She used to tour with us, and she would play, we would have her play second drums. So we would have two drummers, and she would play drums and sing. But she just could not, she just does not like touring, man. She's She doesn't like the spotlight. She doesn't like, you know how, like, when you're touring, especially in any sort of DIY capacity, you kind of got to be able to roll with the punches. And some nights the sound is rough. And she just, she didn't like that uncertainty of it. It just, that was never her dream. So I, and I was happy to have her just uh, contribute in whatever way she was uh, willing to. And so she kind of has become more of a studio fixture within the band, which I think is kind of, uh, an interesting juxtaposition. It's like our only mystique factor. People will come up and say, "Who's that voice I keep hearing?" And I, it's so strange because in my mind, you know, she toured with us for so long. But if you if you've just found out about Dear Blanca, you wouldn't have seen her play with us. But um, but anyways, uh, we just needed a change of pace on the record. You know, there's a lot of kind of ass kickers on there, and we wanted something that was sort of just quieter and just like a little bit of a reprieve from the uh from the up tempo and really just an excuse to have dane on the track i love her voice and and she's an inspiring musician so uh the song itself she's always teasing me thinking that it uh that some of the lines might reflect part of our situation our relationship but i think it's more of a song about just uh you know, sometimes when you have social anxiety, you're you're hesitant to go out and mix and mingle because you feel like you're going to get in a situation that you might, whatever, feel overwhelmed. And it's just a song about the concept of, you know, you're your own keeper. So if you go somewhere and you're, you're anxious and you're not feeling it, you can just, the lyric, you, you drove yourself there, you can leave whenever you're ready to leave. It's kind of the concept. It's like a mantra, like motivate you to get your ass out of the house and say hey to everybody because if you get anxious you can always pack it up and go home <laughs> i'm always writing self uh, little self mantras just shit to to motivate me to to keep on keeping on i guess well usually out to pasture is kind of like retire yeah that's sort of maybe that's the nod to dane right there because we always joke that she's retired from the yeah right from the yeah, and the, and she's a she's a horse enthusiast. So there's, there's that's what she's always called. She's like, oh, it's called out to pasture. It's not about me. And I'm like, okay, it might be a little bit about you, but it's a it's about a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> now the it's the first song we played uh, today on from Perched is the name of the record. In fact, there's there's a tune called Perched. We're going to play a little later. And where did you uh, get no? Where'd you get that title? Well, to me, the... The song probably so, came first, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. But the title of the song didn't come first. The song, I think, existed. And then we kind of... I knew I wanted to 
probably name the record that uh, and the song that, but uh, I think it's sort of a reflection of of like where we've felt like we are as a band. We've always we've felt kind of like we're right on the edge of whatever the next phase of the band is for a while. You know, we've we've accomplished a lot that we're really proud of, but we're kind of curious about what the new the you know we're always excited and 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 ambitious and trying to get to a new place as a band and i think it's a bit of a reflection of kind of feeling like you're right on the edge of of whatever the new phase of the band is which we're always seems like we're always evolving you know almost every record has a new player on it you know there's a core to the band uh you know me and you you've met cam who you talked to james jamerson about and uh, up until this record, our friend Mark has played with us the whole time on drums, but he just moved to Boulder, Colorado. So I guess the new phase of the band is is now, which is we've got a new drummer we've been working with. His name's Richie, who he doesn't play on the record, but he's picking up in Mark's shoes. But you know, obviously he hadn't had to pick up a ton right now because nobody's gigging. Um, but we had a few shows under our belt with him as well. So it's kind of just, yeah, I guess it's short and skinny. Is It's just kind of where I think, uh, where the band is. We're sort of sitting and, and figuring out what the next step in phase for the band is. You know, when I think of the word perched, I think of a bird on a branch. Yeah, I guess there's also, there's a lot of themes throughout the record that are kind of lyrical themes that are almost have to do with perspective and you know, we've been a band for since I guess late 2011, so we've obviously not not an insane amount of time, but long enough to to have some some growth in perspective. And I think of when I think of the word perched, it makes me think of like you know, like you said, a bird perched up on a branch and this like bird's eye view of a situation. There's a lot of songs on the record that have to do with uh, kind of anecdotal observations about people and passing and yeah, there's just a lot of things that deal with perspective it's just a common theme so i figured it was appropriate in that regard you got herons oh around here for yeah. sure yeah because we got them here we got uh black crown ones and uh, great blue man i i just got back from a, a little mini vacation to huntington beach state park uh, where it's just this beautiful, like old beach land, kind of on the on the coast of South Carolina, sort of in between Myrtle Beach and, and Charleston, and there was shit like that everywhere. There was a crocodile, or not a crocodile, an alligator, like two feet from where people were camped out. It was tripping me out. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I hope that people let him do his thing, because you people label something a nuisance real quick and the rednecks come out and kill an alligator that deserves to be there more than us, you know? Yeah, we don't have alligators here, but... <laughs> Dude, they're have, intense. We, I was we do, we do have the <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. What? I, I guess... What's, what are some of the... I mean, yeah, I guess you don't really have anything like that there. Are there sharks near Pedra? Do they ever get down that way? Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, sometimes great whites by Catalina. You know, there's a big island called Catalina. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes descendants were singing about it back in the day. They've got a song called. It's the last song yeah. when Milo goes to college, and it's about Billy being a fisherman. Oh yeah, dude. Kind of I love doc- that. It's a documentary song. He's talking about going out and fishing. 
Oh, did you watch that filmage documentary? No, but I uh, I got interviewed for it. Nice. Yeah, I, I think I remember you being in that. Dude, speaking of documentaries, I watched that Desolation Center documentary the other day. That's incredible, man. I, I somehow didn't know. I knew that you guys did the desert show, but I didn't know about the, the boat show. Boat show with the meat puppets. That's wild, man. That Joy footage. At sea. I think D Boom called it Joy at Sea. Yeah, that's so appropriate, man. I and I grew up in a and you know I grew up in Georgetown, South Carolina, which is a is a town right on the bay too. It's like the third oldest seaport in South Carolina or something like that. But uh, so I I always it's a town where there's no venues, there's no outlet for a little wannabe punker like myself. So I I decided some point in high school that I was just going to embrace what this town had to offer, which was all these beautiful rivers. So I would take this tiny little fishing boat of my dad's out. And so just uh, uh, something about seeing the Minutemen kind of embracing their town in a similar way was just, uh, you guys always find a new way to inspire me, man. Well, you know, it was Stuart Sweezy, the guy who made the documentary. He's the one who made those gigs. He Got tired of the old club thing. It was too uh, predictable. He wanted more uh, chaos. We're at, the, we're, at end, too. we're at the end of uh, first hour, August 3, 2020, Dishwap Peter Show. Special guest, Dylan Dickerson. Hold tight for hour two. August 3, 2020, it's the second hour of the Watt Pedro Show. I was the only face with a name. And you wouldn't leave without me I was waiting on New Year's Day To change everything about me And the woman in your life at that time Was hanging on the line As doctors looked you over a seasoned veteran in the theater of life couldn't help but second guess you as I sat by your side and I regret it now to be the space
things like you just it's in your it's in your soul your spirit type shit it's like you just gotta like you just gotta let let it out type shit you know like like take it back to those to those like like you just wanna throw chairs and shit you know like you just you just gotta like get unruly and like fuck up some shit you know
was a holy man. Then went to the halls now. He calls me dead anyway. He's right there among the multicolored walls. The high-fighting policeman right by his side. I knew nothing about that or the freedom that governs the generic spirit of life. Life is only within some people. Not all. He understood one thing. 
to understand everything is already good enough. To see what was inside something so mortal, but infinite, when you look through its eyes and see eternity of a hala, a place on earth that's heaven? No. Nothing here resembles that anywhere on earth. Why should it? It's already crammed. No one understands the concept of feeling responsible for one's own actions that counteract their own actions and desires. So I bother.
started off with uh, Dear Blanca doing seasoned veteran, talking about veteranos. Um, fourth Sex with Some Shit, Rad Waste. That's got John Jones from the Urinals. And Kevin, the drummer man, came there. And, uh, yeah, Daz, the Lysergic Mix. Yeah, speaking, we were just talking about that Einstein's in the desert there. That was uh, the last time I used L. Uh, U <laughs> give my fucking uh, slav it's terrible my apologies from Cal Portoros which is kind of like P- Portuguese looking but these guys are Slovene uh, my buddy Stanislav turned me on to this in the in Lali F- Fascinarian some odd Mongo Luji. <laughs> yeah. And these guys, they, uh, they they might be Slovene too, but they sing in all the languages from there, like Macedonian and Croatian and Serb. 
So I think it's called Serbo-Croatian, Macedonian and uh, Slovene. Tunnel right after that, a young man from Ohio. I wonder what he's doing these days. Uh, interesting guy with his bass. Joe Bouchard, he was on the last episode, and him uh, doing Kinks. I think Jimmy Page played on the original, uh, All Day and All the Night. And finally, Dear Blanca, I wonder if I care as much. So, where was Season Veteran in the scope of things, of the whole project? Man, that's one of the only songs that I had written. Uh, bef- like I wrote that in between the... Uh, before we started writing the batch of songs that became this record, I put out a little tape, a solo tape. So there's a real early version of that that I recorded all myself. But we started gigging and playing it a lot in the Dear Blanca set, and it sounded pretty cool with, with those guys kind of reimagining it and became a staple of our set pretty quick, and, and people seemed to latch onto it. And I was like, let's throw it on this record throw out a full band version on it. I played everything on the on the tape version and it's kind of a little more subdued. It doesn't have that like kind of big full band vibe that happens about halfway in. Um, but yeah, and and uh, once Alex started playing with us, he's just kind of got the voice of an angel. So he sang harmony with me on it and I, you know, I kind of wanted to lay it down again if, if for no other reason than to capture that kind of change in vibe that we that we did to it. And uh, I wonder if I care as much. Yeah, that, you know, man, I feel like so much of this is going back to, to Alex joining up with us. But shortly before Alex joined the band, he came over to, I was living with Cam at the time, and he came over and we listened to an album called Roots by the Everly Brothers. And it, there's a, it's a 1968 record, I think. And uh, they put a reimagining of their song I wonder if I care as much on there and it's this trippy kind of psychedelic almost but uh still has that like classic Everly Brothers harmony going to it so yeah that one's not an original song that's a cover song that's a Everly Brothers tune that that we just bonded over when we first started playing together and and then toyed around with it at, at a practice one day and we're like yeah let's throw this on the record we've never put a cover song on a record and there's a you know there's a connection it, it was sort of the song that led to us having alex join the band basically yeah i know it's a cover that's why i put it after joe bouchard doing the kinks yeah yeah you know because you, you know why why do a straight fucking xerox you know yeah why, right why not tr- you know kick in something to make it your version yeah we've heard the original let's not hear it again you know yeah right but you know uh like when i had joe on the show the last episode he was telling me when he's young younger man playing in bands and the clubs would tell you to play other people's songs you know the the hits oh yeah to them that was how they got people there drinking yeah and paying money yeah so they they didn't want uh, original (laughs) (laughs) i guess the club owners back in the day were I mean, and probably still to this day, a lot of times are more motivated to get a few more bar sales than they are about kind of helping you be creative, you know? Well, the markup, if you, if you understood the markup, you, uh, you know, whatever, $4, $5 bottle of beer, and they're paying a quarter for it or something. Oh, yeah. It's like <laughs> incredible. 
Okay, I'm, I'm on my plate. Perched. Here's the title song of the new album.
We're gonna hear from Pete now. Yeah. What are you gonna do for us, Pete? Uh, this is a slow thing, and it's uh, the lyrics come from a book called V by a man named Thomas Pynchon. It's a 20th century novel about New York City and the uh, Mediterranean and things. But uh, well, the particular instance there, uh, this cat is in New York and he's bumming around the streets, but not as a hippie or anything. And uh, he takes out some girls, uh, and they go to a street party. And he's sitting there watching everything, drinking wine, and begins to sing this song. And the girl says, what's that? Mm -hmm. He says, oh, it's an old song from the Depression. But it isn't really. It was written by the guy who wrote the book, Thomas Pynchon. Mm -hmm. The music was sort of obvious. The music was just sort of there between the lines of the uh, mm -hmm. song. <laughs> it's called The Eyes of a New York Woman. And I'd also like to take this opportunity to introduce a fellow who's helping me out on piano today, <coughs> Mike Sands, who's... Uh, Rah, yeah. <laughs> okay. He's going to do a little Floyd Kramering in the middle of this. <clears throat> the eyes of a New York woman on the twilight side of the moon You know nobody knows what goes on back there Where it's always late afternoon Under the lights of Broadway And far from the lights of home a smile just as sweet as a candy cane And a heart all plated in chrome Do they ever think about the wandering bums And the boys with no place to go Yeah, the drifter, he cried for an ugly girl He left her back in Buffalo Dead as the leaves in Union Square And dead as the graveyard sea The eyes of a New York woman Will never cry for me Oh no, they'll never cry No, no, no. 
not my home Well, I believe it when you said to me That life's worth living like the redwood trees Where they've grown up so big and tall They spread their branches, oh, but now they fall The lumberjacks from the 40-acre branches of my mind Remind me if it's time to be alone And this house is not my home No, this house is not my home No, no, no This house is not my home Right on
Pedro Show. There's the title song from new Dear Blank album, Perched. Perched. Then uh, Black Randy and the Metro Squad. That's from uh, the old Hollywood scene here in the 70s. Late 70s. Marlon, Bland, Marlon Brando. Brando. <laughs> the, the, the album was called... Uh, he like... Black Randy, he passed away, but he, he's a funny man. And he liked to make fun of a lot of stuff. So he's like imitating the Hunky Dory David Bowie album. Oh, and, nice. And the, the record, little side profile? Well, well, like holding his hair up, right? He's, his, his head's back and he's got his hands in his hair. And and the title of the album is Past the Dust, I Think I'm Bowie. Wow, and, and that's an was, excellent title. Dust was a slang word for PCP. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not too good. I remember when it first came out, they, uh, everybody was saying it was... Uh, Pure Mota, you know, t- pure THC or shit. And that was like, what the fuck? We did yeah, not quite. <laughs> yeah, we did it for a month, and it was like, fuck this shit. It was like aluminum foil taste in your mouth. It was terrible. Yeah. Ugh. Bong, yeah, and, but... bong, uh, bong and black dust. You keep it in the freezer. And yeah, we, we went through it really quick. Not too Yeah, I'm yet. glad that, that that didn't stick. <laughs> <laughs> People taking their clothes off and fighting the cops and shit. Okay, yep, yep. Back, back to the sub music. Who's could do with uh, data control? That was the only lo- long song on uh, Land Speed Record. And then Peter Lochner from the old uh, Cleveland scene, with Eyes of a New York Woman. Uh, Bud Drain Cows after that, New Mexico. That's Greg Turner, who helped start the Angry Samoans. He used to write for Cream. He teaches calculus now, college. Oh, yeah. And I wouldn't shit you, Dylan. <laughs> and Why Blondes Eat from Bombas Prendon. This is a DC project from like early 80s. I think they made 50 cassettes or something. You know, there's a great site called DangerousMinds.net. And they always are digging up all this obscure, tiny band stuff. Of course, there's more of it now. But some of that shit existed in the 60s and 70s, too. Oh, dude, Dangerous Minds is great. I saw they uh, they posted something about, you know how Mark Bolin used to have his own TV show for a little while? It's called Mark. Yeah, and I never knew it existed, man. That yeah, was, yeah, I don't well, know it was, how, it was but they posted com- about it. All the episodes are on YouTube now. It was He was making his comeback. You know, yeah, it kind of had like a old gray whistle test vibe to it. You know, he got killed before he was 30. He's, he's only 29. That's crazy. And, you know, between... Like tanks, there's light of love, and Gloria. He, he married her. I met I met the son Roland. He was only like a year old when his pop died. Roland Roland. Yeah. yeah, and I told him about because you know me and D Boone's first gig we saw was T Rex. So I had big talk with uh, him about that. It was at the uh, Spaceland Silver Lake. Okay, I think it's called Satellite. No, well, not. I think it's closed now, but. Uh, That's a hell of a gig to see. Yeah, and he wanted to hear all about it because you know, when you're a baby, when you're one, you know, it's hard to remember. But Mark uh, Bolin had that TV show you're talking about, The Damned on. He was helping. Yeah, punk, yeah. He was helping punk bands. So, uh, let's see. This is, house is not my home. The blood drained cows. Then uh, Bombas Prendon by Blind Z. And then finally Armchair. Dear Blanket. 
want to enlighten us to some uh, inner secret of armchair? Well, armchair, so we wrote that one right bef- uh, before we started working with Alex and right after our friend Andre, who he plays in Secret Guest with, with Brett. I think yeah. you guys talked about how he had left Secret Guest and how it kind of put that band in limbo, but he, he left Dear Blanca at the time, too. He just kind of took a hiatus from music altogether. He had been playing keys with us. Um, so Andre sort of took a hiatus from music altogether, and me, Mark, and Cam, we went and stayed at a cabin that a friend let us stay at for free. There's no Wi-Fi, no phone service. It is the middle of nowhere. Um, and we just... We didn't have. We had a couple little nuggets of song ideas, but not much. And we just wanted to spend the weekend just playing music together there and and piecing together stuff. And the only full song that made it on the record from that was Armchair, which is kind of. Uh, I mean, it's a weird little song about just things that I would obsess over, like how I would see. Around that time, I would see. Do you remember those Chevy Astro vans? Those box vans, yeah. like. I'd see him everywhere, like every single place I went. And it was like, so it's kind of a song. Maybe it's sort of talking about, uh, what's the term for that? I guess like confirmation bias where you, when you think you're seeing something everywhere and then you start, then you just, you're paying more attention. So you do see it. It's just like some weird, like shit that no one will probably ever realize what I'm talking about. But that's the kind of stuff I like to write about. Just the strange thought processes I have, you know? Yeah, yeah. We're at the end of the second hour. There's a hell of a noise coming out from where you are. August 3, 2020, just watched Peter Show special guest Dylan Dickerson. Hold tight for hour three. August 3, 2020, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show. <laughs>
Pedro Show start the third hour with uh, Jim Blanca doing Rear Window. Crane after that, equal opposite. The King of Jive talk. Whoa. A little loud over there. Sorry, the man. Sorry. The King of Jive talk and Metal Lark Jiving. Metal Lark Lemon just passed away. He was one of the Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, endless contortionist with. No. That's, that's going to be in the next chunk of music. David Gerard with Music Box, Insomniac's Dream. And finally, Visitation. Dear Blanca. 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 Ah, dude, I like to think Dear Blanca is your little nickname for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we, especially living here, you know, I should know a lot better. I mean, I don't say Tortilla or Fry Joel's. <laughs> Yeah, dude, trust me, we've been called worse. We got billed as Deer Panda once. I don't know how that happened, but it made it on the flyer and everything. <laughs> yeah, we had a problem with this uh, Raleigh. There was a power ballad uh, band. You know, that's why I put a house on fire on the first album. I knew people were going to see the U there. <laughs> yeah. And I even had one time policemen an FBI guy come up to me at a gig right before we went on stage. He said, did you bring a young woman over the state border, Mr. Watt, I think from Pennsylvania to Ohio? I said, no, no, sir, you know. And uh, 
sure enough, they had, you know, the name wrong. What? Just one letter. So they letter. thought you were someone else? Just one letter. Just one letter. Damn. And sometimes well, I'm glad you didn't get busted. <laughs> well, yeah, and I don't do that shit anyway. But, but, yeah. Uh, I remember some gigs. You'd see five or six guys with the big hair standing around looking like we at the wrong gig. <laughs> yeah, so those things can happen, you know. But it's oh, kind of sure. out of your uh, control, right? I mean, you give your band a name and then people do what they, what they, what they want with it. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure Firehose had people trying to fuck up the the yeah, capitalization. Well, that's not a biggest problem is being called, you know, an, another name, Firehouse. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, the little letter, the having the F be in lowercase. I did that because we used the same kind of lettering as Minuteman, but to me, it was a a new band, even though we had two guys, okay, still was kind of a new band, especially with Edward. Like when, yeah. you, when you have new guys join your band, it, it changes it. So I wanted to make it like we were just starting. But we were coming from somewhere. That's why I did that. Yeah. Uh, what, what studio did you do this in? So we were down in Charleston at a, a place called... Uh, it kind of rotates a name between, sometimes they call it Rialto Row, sometimes they just call it The Space. Um, but uh, our friend Wolfgang Zimmerman, who he's done a bunch of work with Band of Horses and a band that's pretty popular in Charleston called Susta, that are friends of ours. Um, but uh, he's actually been spending some time out in Malibu with uh, at Rick Rubin's place, because I guess Rick is somehow associated with Band of Horses. And which I think is huge for him because I know he's a huge fan of Rick Rubin and his work. Um, but yeah, uh, Wolfgang is kind of this like, he's a posy vibes kind of guy, sort of like a half producer, half spiritual guru. So you would say he was a producer of this album or a co-producer? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we knew what we wanted the record to sound like and we, uh, but he is really good at, figuring out what a band is going for and, and figuring out how to only add to that as opposed to try to direct us any sort of way. So maybe he was more of a recording engineer than a producer, but as far as like keeping the band spirits up and, and giving, uh, you know, there are a few moments where he gave us some feedback, constructive feedback and stuff. So I, I would say he kind of had a hand in the producing of it as well, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I want to play, uh, talking to a brick wall.
So as soon as we get our blinds set up, let's sit down and listen to Thank <laughs> you. 
stomach as you blow.
Bruno Show. Yeah, last music for this edition. Talking to a brick wall from Dear Blanca. A Sonia de Mayanayo. Animal Farm Tango. Something live, I think, from Louisville. And uh, that was a Telandrea composition. And uh, I think he, he was inspired by, uh, yeah, George Orwell. Trippy. El Sonio de Mayanayo, you know, uh, has a, uh, another drummer, and it changed the band, too. I, I, I can relate. I didn't realize you had a new drummer in that project. Yeah, well, he's solo now, Andrea Belfi. In fact, he, he was opening up for, uh, he had a tour last year with Tom York, the Radiohead guy, opening up for him. Oh, wow, just, that's just a huge solo, solo drums with some synthesizers. Uh, then we had Salida Movement at number two from an endless contortionist. Got a talk on the drums there. And then finally, it had to be Dear Blanca. It had to be. <laughs> right? It had to be. I, I like that t- title. It's got so much possibility in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the tune's good too, guys. Uh, your Your studio guy did really good, Mr. Zimmerman. Yeah, I, I think he he figured out exactly what we were trying to do, and he's good at reading the room. He knows how to pick up on what we're putting down and 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 kind of just add to it. So, I know, when when did the record come out today? No, it actually came out Friday, Friday. so July thirty first. So so just recent, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now you can't tour it, of course. So no, sadly not. Well, it's a situation. I mean, yeah, exactly. Everybody says it's the worst and stuff, but I, if we get together, we could fucking get this thing down. That's what I'm saying, man. You know, people, whatever. I, I get angry when I start thinking about it, but, <laughs> you know, we got a situation. So what's your plans instead of work on another record, even though that this one just came out? Well, I mean, so, you know, my thought process in, in putting the record out still was just, you know, like, yeah, you know, ideally we were living in a world that could get this shit together over here so that we could you know, be like other countries and, and beat this thing. But in the meantime, people are stuck at home and would love to have a, you know, a record to listen to in theory, you know, so like, let's, let's give them something. Let's not sit on this any longer. Uh, and, you know, in the meantime, I don't know, man, like, yeah, this is a, a tough situation to be in as far as not being able to tour, but I'm still feeling really inspired and creative and ambitious. Like I, like you said, I'm probably going to lean into a new batch of songs. I, I recently recruited basically all the like best jazz heads here in Columbia, which I hate calling them that because I think they get pigeonholed and, and only called for the jazz gigs a lot, but it's kind of what they're known for around here. Um, but we did this kind of alternate arrangement of the song Overpass that's like this strange kind of Blanca meets jazz band vibe. Uh, so that's like the thing I've been toying around with in the past couple of weeks, getting the mix right for that. And we, we filmed that. We basically all got together outdoors, real spaced apart, you know, plenty of space between all of us, no crowd, um, just us and a camera person and filmed a few takes of it, got the best one. And now we're just mixing it and, and figuring out what we want to do with it. Um, but yeah, I've I also got, been, I got some you know, friends. I got some friends in the desert, uh, Raquel and Jared, and they yeah. got a, a band called Galactasy, and they just made eight albums. <laughs> wow, damn. I played them all, you know, eight shows in a row, I played them all. Just to show, you know, 
they're dealing. That's the way they're dealing with this situation by being creative. So that's why I kind of sprung that on you there. Dan. Oh, dude, yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's all I'm keeping saying. I I'm a restless person by nature, so it's like you know I miss playing shows, but I miss playing music more than anything. So you know I. I've been telling people a lot, you know, like Harry Nielsen pretty much never played a show. <laughs> He's one of my favorite songwriters. Like, there's ways to be an yeah, active he had artist. A big, a big stage fright. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be gigging to be validated by your art. So, Steely, uh, Steely Dan didn't tour for a long time. Well, I'd imagine those songs are would be hard to translate. To no, pull no, they started off. touring in the 90s, but like all during the 80s. I didn't know that. Yeah, they didn't because they yeah, just sick of it. That's how I know. I, every year I like Steely Dan a little more, and I, I don't know if that's just like part of getting older or what. But I I used to not really get down with it when I was really little, and now I'm like, no, nah, they kind of they kind of rip. <laughs> Less younger. Yeah, it's been a big honor. If you get another record out, come back on the show, please. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I appreciate it. People, it's been the August three, twenty twenty edition of Watt for Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>